Hello and welcome to You Matter. Welcome back. This is episode 14 or session 14 of You Matter. And this is a follow on episode from my uh, my session 12 with Felicity Thau, where we started talking about failures in physiotherapy and, and how we handle those. And it was a podcast that generated a lot of interest. And it felt like Flick and I had just started to have a conversation that had some more legs in it. So I've invited some other guests. Felicity's come back and also going to be joined by sports therapist Katie Stevens and um, uh, Martin Christensen, physiotherapist from Norway. And so the, the session is a panel discussion picking up on some of the themes that Felicity and I discussed in the first episode and um, taking those a little bit further. So sit back and enjoy the episode and I will see you at the end. So hello and welcome to episode 14 of the You Matter podcast and today is a panel session. It's actually a follow-up session. Um, so two sessions ago in episode 12, uh, some of you may have heard my podcast with Felicity Thau with Flick and we talked about failures and how we cope with them um, in a professional capacity. And during that episode, Flick and I covered all sorts of areas, but things that um, stand out for me were that it was based around a scenario where Flick was feeling a certain amount of shame and what she saw as a failure, having missed in her eyes a ruptured Achilles tendon and the feelings that she felt around that. We talked about that quite a bit. We touched on perfectionism and how that may or may not be a higher than average trait amongst therapists and whether that relates to how we were at school. We got onto the fact that we were both head girls and some of the things that you know, may have gone into the programming that led to that, that um, situation. And then a really interesting part of that discussion for me was, um, Flit, you made reference to this idea of almost um, accepting the punishment that you justly deserved because you had made such an awful mistake. Um, and I know that that's something that was picked up quite a lot on social media and, and certainly for me has led to other discussions. Um, and another thing towards the end of that session, we were talking about how do we manage this? You know, what, what do we need? And Flick, again, I think it was you that came up with this lovely idea of, oh, what we need is a society of average physios. And then lo and behold, Martin Christensen, who's one of my guests today, took up that mantle. Um, I'll get him to tell you more about this in a minute, but Martin had already been dabbling with um, exposing failure on Twitter, um, had had a, a bit of a following there. And he took up this mantle and went away and formed the Facebook group, which I believe is called the Society of Average Physios and Failures. Is that right, Martin? That's that correct. Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so uh, I thought it would be great. There, there was obviously so much interest and it felt like there was further to go with this discussion. So I've invited um, three guests on today. I've got Felicity Thalbach, I've got Martin Christensen and Katie Stevens. Now, we've all agreed just become, before coming on air that um, we're going to try and do this with no edits. Now, there's a practical reason for this because it's Friday and this podcast is due out on Sunday. And so it needs to be edited quite quickly. And so the, the least edits, the better. But also in keeping with this idea of embracing failure, we're just going to go for it. And barring tech failures, if we say silly things, if we stumble over our words, if there are blank spaces where we're thinking, we're going to leave all that stuff in. And from a personal point of view, that gives me a great get out because one of my um, my things is I am terrible at remembering people's names, their businesses, what they do for a living. And, and I get a bit of a panic at this stage in podcasts. So I'm going to let myself off the hook and hand over to my guests and ask them to introduce themselves and then say a little bit about what failure means to them, particularly in a professional context. So Martin, having mentioned you already, I'm going to introduce you as the forefather of failures, which I believe is the name that you have fully embraced. And uh, yeah, <laughs> can you introduce yourself and let us know what failure means to you? Yeah. All right. Thank you, Joe, for having me. Uh, forefather of failures is the word, uh, the name I'm quite most happy with but in, <laughs> in official terms I'm my name is Martin Christensen and I'm a physiotherapist from uh, Norway 
I work in private practice. I run my own clinic or yeah, sort of in uh, on a small island in the middle of Norway. Uh, so that's what I do. And as you said, I've doubled a little bit on Twitter about failures and mistakes and with my Friday confessions and everything. Uh, and to your question, what is failure to me in the clinical sense? Now, take I'm working inpatient clinic. So this is a flay fail. Keep that in mind. Uh, and I was thinking about this, and I think failure for me is when I let my own prejudgments, my own biases, my own, own certainty or my own security in knowing some things overshadow the info I actually get. Mm. So when I'm not listening too well, diagnostic overshadowing maybe, mm. uh, and I'm, I keep getting into the things I can do something about and pushing away the things that doesn't make sense in my suspicion. So that's a, the failure to, to just take a step back and, and, and get the info is probably the biggest clinical failure for me yeah yeah that's really I, interesting. So that sounds but, almost like a failure in the process rather than the outcome yeah yeah shit on the outcome yeah it's the process that matters yeah well straight away then an unexpected um answer to that question so yeah not not what is the result of that process but just what i'm hearing there is almost that you um well the, in your words you've gone for the easy option of your biases um, yeah. rather than listening and, and and taking on board this slightly uncomfortable stuff which doesn't fit into an easy process yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh, i love that answer thank you um who would like to go next should we go to you flick yeah yeah so i'm i'm flick felicity you as you introduced me i was in the the podcast about this previously um i'm a physio and i work in private practice in my own clinic as well as well as being um on the physio matters team and then also working for the Flip and Pain public health campaign too. Um, and in answer to that question, what, what does failure, professional failure mean to me? I was thinking back to kind of what I meant when I said to you, this, this feels like I failed in this instance. To me, it's, it's when I feel like, and it's a very visceral feeling as well, that I've let someone down. Um, and, I, and I kind of trace that back as you think, oh, well, in, in this instance, I feel like I let this, this woman down. Um, and I, when you trace it back, you think, oh, it's just it's because you care about your patients so much, which of course I do. But when I really think back, follow that line back, it's my fe the feeling is, oh, you will, you won't respect me anymore. You or you won't like me anymore. Um, and I think that's why I then didn't want to tell anyone else, because what if they don't like me as well? What if they completely lose respect for me? Um, so it is and it is that that feeling where the, the bottom falls out of your stomach. It, it, it's mm. it's a real sensation uh, that oh no the wheels are all going to come off now because of this this mm. failure so going four steps ahead to the this will mean this will mean this will mean social rejection yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and that reminds me of your um comment in the first podcast where you'd had a bad test result at school and it was almost it surprised you that your parents didn't throw you out of your house and still allowed you to live with them, even though you had got. It's back. shocking, isn't it? That yeah. yeah, they were so so understanding. And that's so honest, Flick, to admit that yes, there's that um, feeling towards letting the patient down, but then if you're brutally honest with yourself, the rejection of your peers because you have been wrong or yep. not clever or not or right, daft. Yeah, is, is overriding that. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think so many of us would, um, now you've said it, agree with it, but how many of us would be honest enough to actually have said that in the first place? I love that. Thank you. Katie Stevens, would you like to introduce yourself, Katie Stevens? I will. Um, so I am Katie Stevens. I am a graduate sports therapist. Um, I work as a university lecturer two days a week, and then I'm in private practice, um, my own private practice, three days of the week. Um, so when Joe got us thinking about failure and what that kind of means in a professional setting, um, I thought about the conversations um, that I'd had with Joe around kind of perfectionism. Um, and I think for me, anything that is below perfection is a failure. And it's almost on a spectrum um, of 
failure. So some can be just a small failure, whereas other things can be a larger failure. Um, and unlike Martin, for me, failure, I deem it kind of the outcome rather than the process to getting there. Um, once the outcome is a failure, I may then look back and look at my process and go, yeah, the process was a failure. But the first thing I notice kind of in professional failures is the outcome. Um, and then I thought about what actually is like a successful perfection, like what is perfection to me? Um, and I think it's, it is literally that perfect outcome. So if a patient comes in and says, you know, I want to be running um, for the end of April, I've got a half marathon to do and the knees really playing me up. If I don't get them running that half marathon, I feel as though I've failed them. Um, and a lot like Flick, actually, really interesting. Um, it's, a f it's a feeling. Um, so it's that you've let them down, but more so you've let yourself down and that people are going to dislike you for it. Um, so I think that's, that's really interesting. Mm. So this process, Katie, if you've got that, um, that runner that, or somebody that wants to complete a sporting event, would that have been an outcome that you had agreed together? Um, how, do, how does that come about? So I think that come like from your first initial assessment, you think about after you've kind of got that diagnosis and what's going on and how you're going to manage it. Um, often a patient will say, you know, but I still want to be able to run that race at the end of April. And in your, you'll have that very honest conversation that actually that's probably not going to happen um, because, you know, the type of injury that it is, healing times, X, Y, and Z, you have a very honest conversation. But still for me in the back of my head, I'm thinking, yeah, but the ultimate goal is to be able to get them back for the end of April, um, right. even though it's not realistic. So even though I've made it very clear to the person that I'm working with that actually that isn't realistic, in my own mind, I'm thinking, yeah, but we can really work towards that, um, which is perfectionism, um, because I want to be able to do, um, you know, and I'm aware what, what I'm going to say isn't, isn't strictly true, but to me in my brain, I'm thinking that. So I'm thinking I want to do the best for this person and the best that person is being able to get them running that race that they really want to race. And I know in a real sense that actually it's not the best for them. The best for them is being, you know, pain-free, functional and getting them back to the thing they love, um, however long that takes. Um, but yeah, perfectionism for me is getting them back to that thing that they really want to be able to do as soon as possible. And what I'm hearing there, Katie, is that you've, you've made an agreement on what's a realistic expectation, but then your perfectionist wants to override that. Um, probably not in a verbal agreement with the client, but, but you're like, mm, but we can go one step better. Yeah. And actually, um, my clinic has a tagline that says exceed your expectations. So <laughs> I wonder if we just straight away, you know, there's a, there's a subtext there that, oh yeah, you tell us what's best and we'll go even better. And yeah. you hadn't really thought about that from a perfectionist point of view. Yeah. Actually, you've made me think, um, so obviously my world is much more around coaching these days and in coaching there's masses of emphasis on every single session of partnering with your coachee so in, in um, the clinical sense the client as to what is a good outcome for that session and you know if um, if the outcome is uh, I don't know I want a 45 year happy marriage then um, you know you're not going to get that by the end of that session and so the next question would be and what would be a good step towards that at this session and how do I've never really used that kind of language in um, as a physio but you know maybe a bit more time having those conversations with clients and you know their expectations it sounds like will often be more realistic than ours but we don't verbalize it and actually agree where we're going by the end of that session or the end of this episode of treatment interesting do any of you do that is that something anybody does already i do the bare minimum so i won't expect anyone else to <laughs> in terms of agreement setting yeah <laughs> we're uh, such doers aren't we it's like oh fine, let's get on with it then <laughs> but it's interesting to hear that katie we so opposite views of failure and successes and the focus on outcomes and I focus on the process 
that's that's quite interesting how different we can be mm. in all of that because my only focus is on the process and i believe that if the process isn't right the outcome isn't right and so so i, I always work with okay what are we doing today what are we trying to do this week this month and set parameters so when can we when can we go on because if if my process isn't good then i know that we probably won't reach the outcome we want mm. so i don't consider outcomes as a measure of success at all because we also know that it's quite different there's so many factors that puts is into it comes into play and it's pain is so multifactorial we know that uh, injuries are a lot more complex than not being able to tolerate the load. Uh, so healing times, gender, age, social economics, demographics, and all these things. So, so my focus has always been a process, but it's, it's good to hear that someone just mm. outcome measures. Yeah. And actually, um, Martin, you've just reminded me. So Tom Jessen was um, going to be on this panel today. Unfortunately, he's not very well, but Tom's given me permission to refer to a newsletter that he wrote after listening to Flick's podcast last time. And Tom, um, lots of you will know, has done a lot of work on cord equina syndrome. And, and his newsletter was around the um, nervousness he feels and he recognizes that so many of us feel around the point of making that referral for a scam you know and is it the right thing is it the wrong thing and he he says in his newsletter that he gets this vision of the the experts in hospital rolling their eyes as another negative result comes out and oh, we knew it's going to be negative of course um, and then he makes the point that we need a lot of um, negatives so we don't miss the positives in that particular clinical scenario but then in his newsletter he also makes the statement which I love that you know our responsibility is to to engage in good decision making processes rather than the outcome um, so in the case of quarter coroner the outcome quite often is going to make us look wrong and yet if our decision making process to get to that point was sound we haven't failed I really liked his his take on that and that sounds parallel in some ways Martin to to your thought processes around failure yeah it sounds like it yeah yeah I think it, it makes me reflect I, I, it's really interesting to, to hear that because it, it's it's right yeah when when I did my um postgrad work the one of the assignments was about um litigation and so I looked at Corda Aquinas because it's such a topical physio thing and and when you read the um the cases of of Corda Aquinas where people have or haven't been awarded compensation obviously their outcome was terrible because they're seeking some sort of compensation so their outcome is often permanent disability permanent incontinence loss of um, livelihood but not everyone was uh, was awarded compensation in fact some of them were quite shocking you think gosh this this person wasn't uh, they were sat as an inpatient reporting I'm, I'm suddenly not going to the toilet um they weren't scanned for for any number of reasons but the the um they weren't awarded compensation and the, per the, the, the doctor concerned wasn't um, given any sort of, there wasn't any consequence for that doctor because they then said, actually, it was such a fast moving thing that if you'd scanned them anyway, the potential was that this outcome would have happened anyway. Mm. And, and uh, I thought, God, that's, that's interesting. I think it's, it's, it reassures me that, yes, you can, you, you can do everything right. Mm. And there can still be, you know, unfortunate for the person, of course, but you can still have that that outcome and I think it was it was the process that failed me that I failed the person um it it was it was the assessment process it was me me not tagging on it oh yes let's have a look at this at the end of your session about something else um yeah it, is, mm -hmm. it was the process yeah and Martin you you made reference in that process to whether you listen enough um yeah. And I really like there's there's so much emphasis now, isn't there, with you know motivational interviewing and a lot of the stuff um, flick coming out of the um, the pain world, just taking that little bit longer to actually listen. You know, we we think we're good listeners, don't we? But I wonder whether sometimes we are good listeners for the nuggets of information which we know fit a pattern, 
um I'd, I've said this on podcasts before but you know I, I remember telling someone that my when I was doing my coach training that I was going to find this difficult because my whole life had been a process of listening to someone and gathering these significant pieces of information until I could put them all together and present a diagnosis um, rather than as you say Martin listening for the things that actually are a little bit annoyingly inconsistent with the pattern and a little bit quirky but actually might be the the things that really get us where we need to go yeah exactly taking that a little bit longer those snippets i have an anecdote on that actually mm. if you want to hear mm. okay yeah, so first failure up isn't it right. <laughs> do we have a scorecard at the top <laughs> <laughs> this is not uh, as bad as uh, flicks failure but you know, yeah fair enough that is just terrible for sure. <laughs> right so uh those uh, middle-aged man referred to me which would show the pain and he had a quite a typical subacromial shoulder pain bat- pattern. Uh, yeah, we was all worked, worked long hours, no sleep, had a period of two months previous to the pain debut, uh, worked more with his, with his arms and above his head than he, than he was used to. And you no, know, the test came back and everything like that was positive. And strength. Hawkins just test. done a Hawkins action on screen. Yeah, okay, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> really good one. You yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> hundred points. Uh, so, so everything fits into that, you know, rotator cuff related pain or whatever you want to call it. And but he was unfit. He was overweight. He smoked. He drank, and he had diabetes beginning of a one uh, and his blood pressure was not good but me what did I do rehab the shoulder yeah right. so I started with everything was right didn't pattern and we worked on shoulder exercises goes for five weeks not feeling any better yeah it takes time it takes time just slow down slow down couple of weeks more not feeling any better oh it takes time it takes time it takes time and then continue to do this for for weeks actually because i've, I've been taught that things can take a little bit of time mm. uh, then one day i get a call from from him and he said hi martin hi yeah i'm in the hospital all right okay okay yeah uh, i had a blood clot in my lungs and uh, and uh, when they fixed that, I collapsed. I was working. I collapsed. Went to the hospital. They found that they fixed that. Uh, now my shoulder pain is gone. Do you want? To, do you still want me to come in on Tuesday? <laughs> uh, it's gone. Yeah, yeah, it's gone. You sure? Yeah, 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 sure. Uh, you don't need to come in. Uh, just, just go on. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. cool. And that, and for me, that was, I was so preoccupied with dealing with something I knew how to deal with that yeah. I just passed by every other thing that didn't look good. Yeah. Every other general health issue. Yeah. The thing that was screaming because it's yeah. the world. Yeah. yeah. And those were screaming high. Yeah. As well. And so that's a real failure, I think. Yeah. Then the process, my whole process went AWOL. But I still got a good outcome, didn't I? Shoulder yep. pain gone. Absolutely. And he yeah. wanted and to the- come back. <laughs> yes. Yeah, if you said yes, would he have come back for more shoulder rehab, I wonder? Yeah, he was, was we had a good relationship. Really good relationship. See, he didn't, he was quick. Also, I'm not blaming you. I'm not blaming you. You couldn't have known. You couldn't have known. So it's uh, the phone call was also him for 20 minutes trying to reassure me that everything was good. So, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you see that as a failure or an interesting case? I see it as, it's as a failure of not listening or, be, or being preoccupied with what I knew. 
So that mm. for me is a failure. Mm. Uh, but I treating out, I was like, yeah, I see it as a failure. Mm. And a learning experience, of course it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that leads quite nicely into um, one of the reasons that I invited Katie on the call, actually. Um, so Katie, uh, I know she doesn't mind me saying, has been a coaching client of mine. And we had a conversation about this after um, the last podcast, after Flick's podcast. And we got talking about the things we do to ourselves after a perceived failure. Um, and Katie's got a little anecdote. In fact, we both shared an anecdote, didn't we? But Katie, yeah. could you mind sharing what you shared with me on that coaching session? Because it spoke so well to, to our own reactions to, I'm going to say, what we perceive as a failure rather than a failure. Yeah, so um, Flick, what you said um, with yours was really interesting and it really kind of got me thinking about how I respond to what I deem a failure. Um, and I think you said kind of it felt like she was too nice to you afterwards and she'd um she was she reassured you um and you felt like no like you should sue me um and um I very much kind of get that feeling as well so when I feel like I've done something wrong or I've missed something um I would go as far to say as I punished myself um so I think when we were talking, Joe, um, it's little things. So if I had missed, let's let's use, I don't know, an Achilles rupture for, for an example. For a random um, example. Yeah, yeah, just a random <laughs> example. Um, the worst you can do. Yeah. <laughs> of course. Um, I would then probably spend three hours of my evening like reading journals about Achilles ruptures to make sure I'd never miss something like that again um, and cancel any like dinner plans or social events I had that evening almost to say Katie you don't deserve to go out and have fun with your friends like you need to put this right and in order to put this right it's going to be about you learning to make sure this doesn't happen again um even though it could have been you know something really simple um and something that anyone could have missed I would still go away and then kind of yeah almost punish myself and I said to Joe it almost that is almost what I'm doing um so I it's even things like um one weekend not so long ago um I can't even remember what had gone wrong. I'd had a bad day. Um, and I thought to myself, oh, I'm not going to go horse riding this weekend with my friend because I probably need to do some reading around that um, or I need to listen to another podcast about that. Um, and there have been times since graduating where I've, you know, booked onto CPD events and things um, because I think, well, I'll spend my money to become better at that so that I don't do that or make that mistake again. Um, I don't need to spend my money. Oh, I'm realising this now. Um, or you know read for three hours um actually it was just a genuine human mistake and we all make them um but yeah certainly kind of punishment for me has been something that I've seen throughout my professional career so far mm, I, I find that so what well, sad and fascinating when Katie told me that it made me really thoughtful because you know I spend an awful lot of my time at the moment trying to encourage clinicians to take better care of themselves and then this was almost, you know, let's go back and make sure we're not actively harming ourselves before we even think about um, care. And Katie reminded me of a, a situation which, if I'm honest, like throughout the whole of our podcast, it was in the back of my mind to share this anecdote. And I, I didn't because the stakes are high. Um, and Katie's situation um, reminded me of it. And I'll share it without detail because it was it was um, nearly 20 years ago now when I was in New Zealand and that you shared a story in New Zealand flick and it, and it was in my mind then somebody actually lost their life in this scenario um, and it it is something that you know I'll tell in a certain way because you know people are still affected by this situation but I was um, 20 years ago quite a young physio I this was part of a, a whole traveling experience for me I was in this particular town for a little while and this incident happened and from a from caring from me point of view it was managed beautifully I was phoned that very same night by the paramedic that had dealt with this person and as far as they possibly could, reassured me um, and described the sequence of events, which actually meant that I was just the unlucky person to be 
in the wrong place at the wrong time when this thing happened. However, what I did next in hindsight is really interesting to me. So I had some time off and I took myself off to walk one of the trails um, and it was Nelson Lakes. Um, Flip, you probably know that one because I know you've done those walking trails. Now, mm. some of these walking trails around New Zealand are really busy. You know, you can't get in the huts at night because everyone's you know, like doing the same trek. You might have heard of the Milford Track and the Rootburn. Those ones, absolutely tourist trail. Nelson Lakes at the particular time of year I decided to do it is almost deserted. So I went off, um, a 20-something female on my own, and I walked this trail for three days. And I stayed in huts two of the nights. Nobody was there at all. And the other night there was a, a single man in the hut with me. And I looked back and I mean, goodness, if my daughter told me she was doing that now, now I would have absolute kittens. And I, I was in quite a strange mindset for those three days. Yeah, understandably, this huge thing had happened. But, you know, I, I can honestly now look back and go, yeah, there was an element of right come and get me then you know that was really bad so whatever happens in these next three days I'll take fate because you know I'm that bad that I deserve it and you know I'm sorry to put this podcast on a, a bit of a downer that's that's a very heavy situation but you know Katie's when Katie described that I thought god yeah you know that's that's an interesting thing to think about what what we do to ourselves when we have we've been judge and jury on ourselves from the moment haven't we? we've decided it's a failure then we start dishing out the punishment you know then there's probably a process afterwards um i really hope these aren't common stories but it's katie just highlighted an angle for me that you know was was interesting as a coach and you know first do no harm is is a medical term isn't it and i really thought yeah we need to be looking at at that from a personal perspective so yeah sorry to to bring it down to, to that um, with that you know fairly somber anecdote martin you just unmuted yourself is there something in your mind with that uh yeah <laughs> it threw me off guard there uh, mm. uh that's quite a story that's the, but what we're talking about now is the is the is the feeling of responsibility isn't it mm. and and i think that's quite common to feel that heavy that dread really of responsibility yeah. and and it can get you quite down can't it so but i think i think but my main point especially on twitter is is we need to be more honest and open about these things mm. because it's common you said you joe you said you hope it's not common but it it is common i mm. think you all experience it uh, and and we need to realize that we're not alone in this. People are feeling. There are people finding ways to deal with it. There are people finding uh, ways to make it better. We are discussing it, but it needs to come out and show itself mm. because this responsibility is it's heavy. It's really, really heavy. And I think that we need to understand that we all feel it and especially patients need to understand because it's heavy. Being in pain is the whole life, but when also patient comes to see me, I think about my patients every day, all day, sometimes in the night, not in the bad way, of course, in the <laughs> supporting way. <laughs> thank you for bringing but, it up again <laughs> yeah 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 I had to there was an opening it's okay yeah so uh, yeah well <laughs> do you see my point yeah yeah flick mm. where, where do you stand on this it's interesting can i can i ask you about that experience like what your feelings were was was it a feeling of okay well if, if something happens I, then i deserve it or was it like because I'd be thinking, well, you know, if I get knocked over by a bus, at least everyone, you know, nobody else will have to suffer this terrible physio um, again. Um, and they might even forgive me for making a mistake because, of course, it'll be, a, this is morbid, isn't it? Um, because there'll be a, a, a memorial. Um, it, it's like, oh, well, at least at least I'll never have to be in this responsible position again. Mm. Um I feel like that's how I'd I'd be thinking. It's a good question. And bear in mind, this is nearly 20 years ago. So mm. we know how um, accurate memory is. And, and you know, I'm trying to 
remember something which if I'm honest I blocked um I coming back from there I I went back to work I carried on and I uh, I numbed basically for I think that's how I got through that so my memory of it is a bit hazy I would guess that what I was feeling was that I couldn't cope with the feelings and therefore any way out of it I would take yeah um, obviously I had to take the route of through it because I didn't get murdered in my bed at night and <laughs> I had to deal with it and um yeah, but it's been because, you know, I don't know, maybe it was the age I was and the stage of life I was at. Numbing probably was the safest option for me at that moment. I was on my own, quite young, the other side of the world from my family and my support networks. I basically had to get through that. Um, and so numbing was probably a fairly sensible survival strategy. But I would say over the years, you know, things have happened that have definitely triggered um, that's the memory of that process and it's the feelings and you know I, I'm not sure that it was kind of um, you know n even as far as nobody else will suffer um, it was just I won't have to feel this anymore. yeah I think that's what I mean as well I think that's what where I'm where I'm coming from mm. um, yeah yeah mm. so what would it look like in this utopia where we don't have to deal with feelings of failure what would you know in in Pollyanna physio and sports therapy world um what would it feel like to work without fear of failure anybody feel free to answer that one well I think Martin has revolutionized the world of Twitter for me because he has been so honest about how most of us feel um we're just too frightened to say it or too ashamed to say it um so I have had regular conversations with colleagues about um some of the funny things you've put out on a Friday um in your confessions and we're like yeah it's something we've never talked about until we've read it and we've had a little giggle about it um and then we've kind of said to each other, yeah, like we do feel like that. And that does happen. Um, and so for me, those conversations, just actually having those conversations, because at the moment, the world of social media, as we all know, it's all filters and sparkly glitter. Um, and everyone wants everything to look perfect. And it's not. We don't live in a perfect world. Um, and so mistakes are there to be learned from um, and actually if we don't share our, our kind of mistakes and how we've learned from them we're we're not helping each other um, so for me if we could just start all being a little bit more honest um, and communicating that with one another um, instead of hiding behind it um, I think for me that would be that would be just the best start um, mm. yeah Martin I, I'm interested actually because I, I love your uh, I hadn't followed you so much on Twitter and I've followed more on Facebook and I I love the humour. Um, I mean, I, I love your uh, initiation questions. So if any of you haven't seen this Facebook group, you basically, if there's any sniff that you might be expert on something, you're not actually allowed to join. And I love that. And Martin's really good at sniffing out any whiff of expertise and jumping on it straight away. Um, and then I, I think therapists are, this, are quite funny there's a load of comedians in your group I, I have a right old chuckle when I read it I just wonder Martin whether so that that humor is really helpful and you know like we've done on this podcast you cannot stay in the pits of despair and, and doob and get through this stuff and we need to lift it up do my question to you though is is can there be too much humor and is there any point <clears throat> where you would want to move from that or move the conversation into you know just how you beautifully did with with my share there and just you know you you weren't smiling when you said no actually this responsibility is really heavy and we have to acknowledge that um where do you think or do you have any thoughts about the balance between humor and just you know calling it when it isn't great oh good questions uh well favorite answer it depends doesn't it it's all contextual it's all dynamic and i discussed this quite a bit with with some some friends actually uh, martin billing and mm. adam dobson and uh, luke todd and alistair beverly mm. uh, quite a lot in this and there's i'm quite fond of humor and mm. using it and i i swear a lot <laughs> and i myself and we talk about other things and and, but of course, there are times when humor is not that suited. Uh, 
And in the same session with, with a patient, I can go from you know, calling them oi dickhead <laughs> to, to listen, yeah, I know this is this is this is shitty. This is yeah. not good. This is this is serious, serious stuff, and we have to work with it. Uh, so I think it's a tough question to answer because it it all really depends all the time. And it depends on who you are, who the patients are, where you are, uh, hospital, so the clinic, outside, indoors, whatever. And and but my take personally is that you can get you never can get enough humor mm. it's interesting is... that you mention ali alistair beverly actually because um i don't know if you've heard it martin but i did a podcast with ali around banter yeah you banter hulk yeah yeah and we we yeah. and we came to a similar conclusion um and ali was saying you know let's give ourselves the credit that actually in many ways we are master communicators and we are really, really good at going into quite heavy conversations and then just using humor to pull it up for a moment so that then we can go deep again. Because none of us can take being in that low place all the time. And, you know, I personally find that that's often when people will shut down. And it's the point mm-hmm. where you sense that that's happening, that you need the humor to go, okay, let's all take a breath here. Let's laugh. And then we can go back in. And I think you're right, Martin. It's And, and Ali was right too. It's it's a skill set that we need to acknowledge that we're pretty advanced, even though we haven't got a certificate for it. Um, I think, and in, in your Facebook group and your Twitter feed illustrates that beautifully that humor is, I think, a part of many therapists' life and, and yeah. we, we use it well. But it has been ignored, hasn't it? it in, in when I graduated, at least, I got a lot of yelled at from a teacher's before they called me unprofessional you can't say that you can't do this and especially after exams when you had patients examples and live patients coming in mm-hmm. and I always just couldn't quite understand why the, I got chewed out because he was laughing wasn't he yeah all the whole hour so why is it bad no you can't do that you're a physiotherapist I'll I don't want, don't want to be a physio anymore. But of course, it has taken me a couple of years to finally accept that and just be myself. And 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 I also, what was it I wrote to you on Twitter that finding that I can't, I, I'm not always right. I can fail. I can be myself. I can do everything. Also eases the burden of responsibility a little bit mm. because I can only control one or two factors in the whole process. And those aren't really big factors either. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And just whether it's with humor or not, as you say, just bringing it out in the open um, normalizes it and takes the sting out of it. You know, I, I kept that particular scenario inside for a long time. And, you know, because I you know, maybe wasn't as skilled at processing things then. And, and but bringing it out, talking about it, seeing the funny side, seeing that other people do it and see a funny side too. That's, I think it's really, really helpful. Flick, you, sorry, go on. Oh, we can't hear you, Flick. Something's gone wrong with your sound. Is that any better? Yep, that's better. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, that unprofessional label terrifies me through use of humour. Like, I love a good joke. Um, and... But, but I do feel like when you think about professional physio, you think, oh, I've got to remove all the exclamation marks and um, mute the colours and not, not joke. Because, and, and it's, again, it's not because I think I actually am being unprofessional. I think, what if other people see that and then label me as unprofessional? Um, and I have certain individuals in my head who, who, are, who, who are doing that as I, you know, as I delete do a jury. <laughs> yeah to- totally um I don't know, do we need to redefine what professionalism yes. is in physio yeah 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 because as martin says the patients are often laughing with you know we're certainly not not, not discussing poking fun at a person um yeah. but yeah yeah it, it terrifies me to be labeled as unprofessional but flit you are quite honestly one of the funniest people i know and <laughs> To think that your patients might be deprived of, of that sharp wit is heartbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing with patients. 
I totally will be very dry and um, in that appointment. Uh, but I think if I was to then describe that after it would, it would completely put me off because people like oh, it's very, very unprofessional. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's interesting, isn't it? I, my question starts off as, you know, what does it look like to to live without failure, which obviously is a you know, trick question. Yeah, we derailed from that one, didn't we? Yeah. So <laughs> just no one wants to answer that. <laughs> who's who's going to answer it? Who's going to go for it? We had a lovely conversation about humour. <laughs> but I think, you know, that is just it. I think it's um, the fact we're not perfect and all of that is okay. So, I swear like a trooper with my rugby boys because actually if I was very prim and proper with them, they probably wouldn't respect me in the same way. Um, and I love the fact that I can have, you know, very much boundaries are in place with them, but we can have a really good laugh and, um, you know, I can swear around them and that's okay. And um, it's almost kind of part of the role that we play. Um, but like Flick said, almost frowned upon still, to have those types of relationships with athletes, patients, whoever it might be, even with colleagues, like not being seen to be, um, you know, doing daft things. Well, we're all human. And why shouldn't we have relationships and friendships with the people that we work with? Um, mm. And I think that's all very much part of failure um, because we're all held up on a pedestal of how perfect we should be. Um, and I think it's okay. Not I think perfect is being funny and doing human things and, and making human mistakes. So, um, yeah, I think that conversation was probably very much mm. the same. Um, just what actually would it look like to um, be allowed to be normal and not be held on that pedestal? Mm, yeah, fair call. Good answer. All right. So we're drawing towards the end of the of this this episode and I'm going to give you three a little bit of time to think about this question because I want to I'm going to ask you in a moment what your kind of failure takeaways are and I'm just going to share mine in this moment it may not be my actual takeaway but it's the thing I'm thinking about at the moment and I'll give you guys a bit of time to think while I'm talking but largely based on on things you guys have brought up actually I would say for me at this stage in my life, one of my biggest failures is not to be brave enough and to be and to function in a way that um, is constrained by the fear of failure. So um, I am someone that just has is, is quite drawn to pushing boundaries on things and not wanting to do things in the way that I've been told or that everybody else does. And I always want to nudge things. And so I think I do whoever I'm with a disservice if I stay really small and as we've talked about really polite and and always say the right thing never say anything controversial never show up in a way that might be slightly unexpected if I if I take that route all the time then for me that's the biggest failure and it comes about precisely through fear of failure so I think my takeaway is Yes, be, be aware of your responsibility. Yes, be aware of, in theory, the worst case scenarios, but don't allow that to constrain the magic of, of what comes out when you can, can just let it flow with, as Katie says, mistakes and swear words and bad decisions and bad outcomes sometimes. Um, yeah, I think the, the fear of it is, is, is worse and, and not being brave. So would anybody else like to share their their failure takeaway? Like I'm I'm all in on that. I'm like, yes, Joel. Yes, that's brilliant. And then if we wrapped up this podcast, I'd be like, anyway, yeah, best remove some of these exclamation marks from my latest, you know, Instagram caption uh, on my FG physio. Um, because I'm I still don't believe that everyone is gonna be as forgiving. You know, I feel like you absolutely should. But I also hope people are listening and thinking, oh yeah, maybe we'll maybe, maybe let's give each other a break as well rather rather give ourselves a break of course but um give our colleagues a break too that's against the rules on social media isn't it yeah you have you to read break. everything at face value and and in that moment you have to yeah 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 so you can't, condemn you can't, it. yeah 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 no we're not getting anywhere here are we oh failure of i think you're spot on joe actually i'm agreeing with flick and you about this takeaway and what failure is and, and the whole the being able to accept that we feel dread, we feel like 
we feel responsibility is a big part of and of acknowledging that failure is common and that will help i think that would help a lot of people mm. just because it's, it's okay it's okay to be cocky it's okay to be good it's okay to be bad it's okay to be sad it's okay to be glad it's okay okay to cry which was you your brits cry tend to be a little i won't say it i won't say it up tight <laughs> I cry with my patients, I laugh with my patients, I get angry in front of my patients. I uh, even had a farting contest with one of my patients. Nice. Is that a failure in some some way? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. As if you won or not. (laughs) I kind of pushed too hard, so. Can you can you raise that from fighting competitions, Katie? Absolutely not, I'm afraid. Um, (laughs) I think for me, embracing um, embracing failure, um, accepting that it's part of being human because it's not something I'm very good at at the moment. Um, You know, if I fail, um, I think that you know that's not good enough. But it is because it's part of being just who we are. Um, so for me, it would be embracing it. Um, and with that, embracing then your successes, because I also think we're not very good at embracing those. Um, and actually going, yeah, I did a really good job on that today. Um, and, you know, the next day then, maybe not so good a job, but that's okay too, because that is just life. Um, so, yeah, I think my summary would just be to embrace it more, um, you know, f- feel the fear. And embrace the fact it's there anyway because it's part part of being human mm, yeah you're right yes. your point about success is so right katie and if if the failure is looming large and that's all you can see then you, you forget the success don't you and flick with the you know the the instant judgment thing this is going to sound so holier than thou and i apologize i can't think of a, a better way to deliver this that isn't going to sound like that but if we take that the only the only person's reaction we can control is our own. Um, you know, straight away when you look at those exclamation marks, essentially it is our own judgment, isn't it? You, it it's you that's going, oh, those exclamation marks are a bit, you know, whatever it yeah. is you're thinking. Yeah. Um, so, you know, maybe another takeaway is to, is to forgive ourselves first. Um, and as Katie's just said, not just for the bad things, but forgive ourselves when we want to shout about our success and when we want to go on Twitter and say how amazing we are or, or whatever. And forgive ourselves for that, too. Um, and I think you said it, Martin, too, for the, the good and the bad and the joy and the brilliant and the rubbish, because it's all it, there's judgment available at every step of the process, isn't there? So maybe yes. sometimes just to go, yeah, I'm actually I'll pass on the judgment just mm-hmm. now. I, I think I, I say this to people with with pain. I have a, a presentation that I've delivered um, about persistent pain, and, and the last slide is. And if you, you can do all of this stuff right, you can follow all of this advice, and it still there are going to be days where you, you have a really rubbish pain day. It's going to go wrong, and the, the, the picture of it's topical again because it happened this year is again, but there's some daffodils with snow on them. Sometimes it snows in April, but that doesn't mean you, you shouldn't plant your bulbs. Um, or we can't just dread the fact that it's that it, that this downer is going to happen. Um, and and the, the aim of the slide is to say you can do everything right, but have a bit of self-compassion and, and forgive yourself for when it when it does go wrong. But I find that very difficult to follow myself. So. I was gonna say, can, can we just flip that side? <laughs> yeah, like... yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just Sometimes... heard uh, that snow in April was unusual. Right. Um, I'm the seeing out the window it's snowing. Is it? <laughs> oh. We definitely had yeah. snow in daffodils last week, didn't we? It was yeah, that, that it won't work in Norway, Martin. It won't uh won't yeah. translate. Oh. Thank you so much, all three of you. Um that's been a really uh really honest conversation, lovely conversation to have. It still feels like it's it's part of a 
um, a growing conversation that you know, let's hope it, it continues. Martin, you're doing amazing work. Forefather Thank of failures, you. keep going. Um, you. <laughs> if you're not on Martin's Facebook group already, then then go and join and, and look at him on Twitter. Yeah, um, but I'm actually throwing all of you out because you've now turned out to be wiser than you <laughs> led me to believe. So it was nice knowing you. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah, it's Locked. been a real, real pleasure. But Sorry, maybe, maybe Flick can stay in because she, no, did, because she did miss an Achilles rupture and that's, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's pretty no. shit. That's, we can't forget that. We can't no, let no, that no. live. I, I um, think that's that's a good place to finish on, on that level of agreement. <laughs> Absolutely unforgettable. judgment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No no number of exclamation marks going to get you out of that one, Flick. Sorry. If you could just chant me out with a shame chant. that, that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's fine. Well, it's that, that's one it's option. <laughs> another option is can i invite all of you to just share if anybody has been interested to hear what you're saying is there anywhere that you would like people to get or any way you'd like people to get in touch with you let's start with you martin oh i'm just on twitter no you're not you're on facebook as well yeah well yeah in that group uh i am so if you want to know join the the uh oh shit i forgot what we called the society of oh, I love that failure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to get in touch with me on Facebook, you can just join the Society of Average Physios and Failures. On Twitter, you can just search for Martin Christensen. I don't remember my Twitter handle. Twitter handles are I'm, I'm, I'm in, in if someone wants to talk talk with me or reach out to me. Go for it. I'm in paternity leave. I don't. I don't have anything to do except play with the baby on the floor, and, and I'd rather. Oh, that this will sound bad. I'd rather talk with someone else. We're all judging you in this moment. Yeah, I felt that. <laughs> Basically, Martin is available for a chat on any platform <laughs> for the next nineteen weeks. <laughs> Give me a call. <laughs> Excellent. And Do you I want love your it. Twitter handle, Martin. <laughs> I found your Twitter handle. You did? Yeah. yeah. At Martin underscore Nikolai. Ooh. That's brilliant. Thanks, Flick. It took me seven podcasts to remember my own Twitter handle. I, I got this rabbit in the headlights look every time someone asked me at the end. Don't worry. <laughs> Katie, how can we get hold of you? Um, so I am on all social media pages even though I hate social media um so you can find me on twitter ks bouncing back bouncing back is the name of my injury clinic um so you can find me on instagram facebook um and I'm always always willing I'm definitely a face-to-face person so anyone that's based around the southwest who wants to get a coffee and have a chat about failures they've made um drop me a line and I'd be more than happy to meet up in person thank you Kate and Flip. Um, you can send your, your shaming and judgments my way on Twitter at <laughs> Felicity Thou. Um, and if you if you want pictures of daffodils with snow on them and, and musing captions like that, I'm at FT Physio on Instagram. Marvellous. Thank you so much, all of you. I hope you make some fantastic failures um, the rest for the rest of today and enjoy them and embrace them. And thank you so much for being guests. Thank you, thank you. Joe. Thank you. Take care, guys thank you for listening I, I hope you enjoyed that panel discussion I promise you that was achieved with no edits we decided to keep everything in and as far as uh, I'm concerned there, there was no need for any edits um, it felt like a, a great honest discussion and it felt like we moved the the conversation around failures a little bit further. I think there's still a long way to go with it, but it feels good to have nudged it a little bit further down the road. So if any of these topics interested you, um, if you identify with any of the, the traits or the feelings that we discussed, um, the, these are things that come up an awful lot with coaching clients, these, um, these feelings around failure, uh, the traits of perfectionism, um, how we come to terms with these things, how we live with ourselves and, and keep going, as we discussed on the podcast. There are things that come up all the time with coaching clients. And 
if you identify with some of these things and you'd like some support with them, then as ever, book a call with me. Um, you can go on to my website, mehab.co.uk, and book a call straight off there. Um, I'd be more than happy to have a chat with you and see if there's any way that I can support you. In the meantime, have a lovely weekend. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday or whatever day you're listening to this podcast. And remember, if you're a busy clinician looking after people in all areas of your life, all day and every day, then do stop. Turn the, the care mirror around the other way and remember to look after yourself because you matter. Mm.